Today what I'm going to speak on is the theme of love. And um, <clears throat> so I was preparing for it, I was thinking how, you know, we could think about it as one of a, you know, teaching series, but actually love, it's the heartbeat of the universe. Uh, we will never ever, as Paul says, we will never plumb the height, the depth, the width, the length, the breadth of the love of God. So whatever I have to say today will never do justice to what God has revealed to us. Uh, the passage that I want to read and to use and speak from this morning uh, is found in John 15. And I'm going to start around about verse 9. And it's quite possible that for the, um, those of you who brought your Bible with you this morning or you've got it on your device, um, that it won't quite read like what you've got in front of you. Uh, the reason is that I'm reading from uh, the Passion Translation. And I have in front of me, the uh, this is the Gospel of John, this one, which the author has subtitled Eternal Love. You know what it's like when you pick up a different translation of something you're used to? It actually enables you to... You, you, you listen freshly, don't you? And I found that was, uh, as I was reading this. But what I want to do is just to set the context, first of all. You, you all will know the, um, the beginning of chapter 15, where Jesus says this. He says, I am the vine, my father is the vine dresser. You are the branches. And really, all he's saying is that if you, if you draw your life constantly from me, then you will be fruitful. It's just guaranteed, because it's his life that is flowing through us. When we become disconnected from him, we become powerless. And that's the picture that he's, he's giving to us. Now let me just ask you, how many of you have actually seen a tended vineyard in, in the flesh? Have, have you actually been there and seen one? You've got one in the greenhouse. You might become my worked example, John. <laughs> and you'll know when you've seen them um, that you get these rows and rows of vines and they're staked strongly at each end of the row and at the root, the old wood stock is really, you know, it's really gnarled and unless they're newly planted, but vines that have been in place for some time. You know, the, it's really old and it's been there a while. But these things are only probably about, you know, waist, chest high because they've been really trimmed and pruned in order to keep this thing fruitful so that every season what comes from that old rootstock is new life. And one of the things which I love as I've read this again is that impression. You know, the, um, it says how those, those branches which are not bearing fruit, he gathers up. And I saw that in a new way this time, that sometimes what you'll get with the vine, and I don't know, John, whether you find this at home, but sometimes you'll get the, um, those branches that will trail, that will drop, that they'll, they'll be touching the ground, they'll become 
vulnerable to disease and frost and so on. And the vine dresser will actually gather them up. Not because he intends to destroy them, but because he wants to bring them to a place of fruitfulness. And you'll see between those stakes at the end of each row, the, uh, it's like cable that's run through, where the, the branches are trained along the, the cable so that they get air, they get light, they get, obviously they're drawing nutrient from the soil, but they've got the conditions, they're being restored back to the conditions that enable them to be fruitful again. And I just want to say this as an aside, really, to what I've got to say this morning. <clears throat> that if, if any of us, in any way, this morning, are feeling like this, that we're feeling as if we are fruitless, or that somehow we're feeling that we have failed, I just want to assure you that the, the Father, in his love for you, does not just dismiss you, cut you off, but rather... He lifts you up. He will restore you to a place of fruit bearing. I'm, so, I'm going to struggle to get through this, you can tell, can't you? Um, I'm in uh, Stuart's company here. I don't, is it with us older guys? I don't know what it is. We just get teary. Um, there was a line in that song, The Guardian, I think it was, where it says, if I wander, love will find me. I haven't even started yet, but... That's the context in which Jesus begins to talk now about love. If I can just read you the passage. This is the same passage that Pat read from a little bit earlier, but it's that passage which is probably Jesus' most intimate time of fellowship with his disciples on earth. A time of real moment and and treasure, preciousness to him and to them. He says this, verse 9, and if, you'd like, if you want to listen, please just listen. He says, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. Let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands. For I am nourished and empowered by his love. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. So this is my command. Love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. There's a bit more, but I'll, I'll stop there for a moment. I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. He says elsewhere in, in John 17, he says this, and it's his, it's his prayer, it's a record of his prayer. He is speaking with his Father. And he says this in chapter 17, verse 24. Because you have loved me even before the beginning of time. I want you to know this this morning. If you didn't know it, I want it to sink deep into your spirit that God thought about you before there was anything. 
Jesus has loved each one of us in the same way that the Father has loved him, which means that it goes way back before the beginning of time. So before you even came into being, before you took on flesh, before ever you were a dream in anybody's imagination, God knew you, he loved you, he chose you, and he did it with a purpose. Now, I want try and imagine this, that before there was anything, God himself has existed in relationship. Love is a relationship word, isn't it? You can't love as a unit. If God was in isolation, just one, there would be no, nowhere for love to go. But we know the revelation of Scripture is that the Father, the Eternal Father, Eternal Son, the Eternal Spirit, have lived in this relationship of love since before the beginning. And what we see when we look into the Scripture is this life that's existed, not dull, not boring, but passionate, that's uh, vibrant, that's full, that's exciting, that is so um, incredibly diverse as the kind of things that we, we look outside and we see the expression of the nature of God revealed in the creation itself. And you think, well, if that was all the fun that was going on in the Godhead before anything ever happened, sure, that was a, a, one heck of a place to be. That this life of God has existed for all time. And it's one that is bound together by love. So within the Godhead, each party to the, to the Godhead, serving the other, promoting the other, seeking the other's interest, yielding and submitting himself, herself, within the Godhead, taking joy in one another. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm using expressions which are kind of difficult for us because we don't have a mental template, do we, for the Trinity. And yet this is the revelation of Scripture, that that is who God is. And it's a relationship that is one that's bound up in love. The grace and the generosity of God is such that he determined within himself that he wanted to extend the family circle to include you and me. He brought the whole of creation into being in order that there could be in that creation a being just like himself, different, relational, capable of freely loving, freely giving, freely receiving, just like himself, who he could pour, he could lavish his extravagant love upon. And that's why, you ask the question, why am I here? That's why you're here. Because God wanted to extend that family circle which has existed since the beginning of time to include you and me. Now, Selah, isn't that just one amazing prospect? And it has no beginning, it has no end. This is life, Jesus said, that they might know you and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus, Think about this. Before Jesus came to the earth, he was living in this relationship. Uh, how can I put it? If I, if I come down here close to my 
my dear wife, and we come face to face. And there is in that expression, face to face, all the associations of closeness, of intimacy, of sharing, of vulnerability, of openness, of disclosure, of all those things that make relationships really worthwhile. That is the kind of relationship that the Father and the Son have enjoyed from eternity in this fellowship of the Holy Spirit, face to face. And Jesus has come into the world in order to bring us with him into that same... He, he says, I've, you've come to... You are now in me. So I'm... I'm <laughs> this is going a bit off script. But... <clears throat> We've been included, incorporated in the Christ. That's where our life is now. My life is hidden with Christ in God. That's what the scripture says. And what he has done is actually to take us and lift us into the heavenly realm. And he says, now, in me you sit face to face with your heavenly father. No barrier, no hindrance. Nothing, because this is the relationship that he and I have enjoyed and have been nourished by since before the beginning of time. And Jesus says, coming back to the scriptures, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. Now, that is some gospel, isn't it? And, again, I'm going off script a bit, but... We have, um, Paul says this, doesn't he? We have been reconciled. Reconciliation, what's that about? It's about relationships being restored. Our relationship with God, our Father, has been restored. It's been made good again. It's been made whole. It's been made complete. We're now able to live in that face-to-face place. And he says, now I'm giving to you this ministry of reconciliation. Go and tell people. Their relationship with their father who loves them, who wants to lift them up and restore them to a place of fruitfulness. Their relationship with their father has been restored. Now tell them. That's, that's our gospel. That's the message that we have. Like I said earlier, this, this love, it's the very heartbeat of the universe. It's why the universe is here. It's what keeps the whole thing going. That verse continues. He says... Let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands. For I am nourished and empowered by his love. We can hear that word command, can't we? And it has for us a kind of echo of law. These are things you must do in order to, you know, stay the right side of the line in order to live right, in order to be right, in order to maintain this right relationship. And Jesus is letting us into a secret here. Uh, And we see it throughout his life. He says, I only do what I see my father doing. I only say the things I hear my father saying. Why? Because his own life has been so nourished and empowered by the love of God That is all he possibly wants to do. And he's saying, I 
I want to let you into my secret. I want to introduce you to this pattern of my life. So he says, let my love nourish your heart. Now keep my commands. Let my love nourish your heart and you will not find my command difficult. Let my love nourish you. Let my love empower you. And you will, do, you will want to step into those things which I'm holding out before you. I was interested in this. When I, when I was reading in um, one of John's letters later on in the scriptures, basically you can find two commands there. Number one, believe in me. Number two, love one another. And so when he says, obey my commands, that's what he's saying. Believe in me. Any, any unbelievers here? Anybody who doesn't believe in Jesus. And I'm not just talking about believing in him to save you from his, your sin, but actually believing in who he is. Believing he really is the all-sufficient one. He is the Christ. He is God's way of causing us to come into a fullness of life. So believe in me and love each other. It's the love of God that enables him, enables us to walk in the Father's commands. So you say, well, how, how, do we let, how, how do we let his love nourish our heart? Well, bring it down, make it you know, personal. Think about your own relationships. I know that there are things I can put in the way of Kate's love for me. I can block that, but actually it's... I can trust Kate's love for me. And when I choose, when I open myself to it, it's always there. We can expose ourselves to the love of Christ. We can cultivate in our own life a place where that love is just open and flowing, an enjoyment. And we don't need to get intense about it. We spent a little while these last couple of days walking in Derbyshire. Um, anybody else like walking? Anybody else like being out in the open air? <laughs> yeah. Hey, we, we can get so religious, we ignore, we forget, we, we overlook the love of God that is actually streaming towards us, that's being expressed on every side through the things that he has made, the things that just convey himself, the things that come to us through other people, the small things, the little things. The, and in the moments of quietness, when you just, you know, there's no other sound around, and you just, God, yeah, thank you. You're in me. Your love has not changed. You have not changed. Nourish ourselves on the love of God. And he goes on, my purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. He's, again, he's saying, look, I want to include you in that same quality of life that is within God. That same joy, that same overflowing gladness, that same passion, that same fun, that same creativity. All of those good things, you could reel them off. He says, I want for this same joy to be in you 
And it's almost as if he's struggling for the word. We don't have the words, do we? He said, didn't he, there's things I've, I've got to tell you, but you just can't grasp them yet. But I will send you the Holy Spirit, and he will make known to you. And the Bible often translates this as truth. Truth can sound like such a concept word, can't it? But what the Bible actually means is, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit so he can make known to you the reality of what it is I'm talking about. You will actually know the substance of this love. You'll know the substance of this relationship. So this is my command. Love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. For the greatest love of all is the love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. Um, I want to connect something. Uh, and the, the, the Bible is such fun. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? The way that it gathers up these teachings of Jesus and somehow the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, makes them alive to us. At the beginning of John's first letter, he says this, God is light. And in him there's no darkness. It's not, not even a minuscule fragment. There's no darkness. It, um, I want to connect it with this. I want to put it into the context of love. Because John's letter says, God is light. And later on he says, God is love. And both of those things, they are entirely consistent and complementary. There's no contradiction between God's light and God's love. So we can, we can be sure of this, that God's light creates an environment of love and comes from and exists within an environment of love. Love's environment, this environment of light, is, is one where nothing shameful or hidden or poisonous can breed. Yeah? So in God's own heart, God's own nature, there's nothing harmful that is in there. And it's in that environment, because of the love of God, that we as people can feel safe, we can feel assured, we can feel secure, not exposed, not threatened, but safe. And now, I'm saying this because Think about the environment we want to create amongst us for people who we want to be included. We want to see them included along with us in this family. We want for them to come into an environment which is like that. In John's letter, he, he goes on in 1 John 1 verse 7. He says, if we really are living in the same light in which he eternally exists, then we have true fellowship with each other. And the blood of his Son, the blood which his Son shed for us, keeps us clean from all sin. Can I read that again? He says, if we really are living in the same light in which he eternally exists, then we have true fellowship with each other. Um, let me just put this out there. We often associate light, don't we, with that sort of forensic searchlight quality that's scanning, looking for the bad stuff, 
You know, do you know what I mean? We, we kind of pick that up somehow, that to come into the light is to feel exposed. Yeah? A bit like, you know on those CSI programmes and that kind of thing, they have these UV torches and they sort of, you know, they go into a crime scene, you can't see anything. They switch all the lights off and, and they, you know, scan. Here comes the light. Oh, there's a spot. I know there's another one. You know, oh, there's a bit, you know... And we sometimes have this attitude, don't we, that the light of God is somehow like that. It's kind of screening us, looking for the, the blemishes and the spots and the, you know, the things which are going to find us out. But no. Do you know why? The truth is, because we are now in Christ, there's nothing to find. However intense that light gets, there's nothing to find. Let that sink in. Would you please? I can live comfortably in the light of God, surrounded by this love of God. And it does this. This is what that light does. <clears throat> it reveals both to us and, let me say, to that spirit world which is watching. It reveals to us our true nature. It shows us who we really are. So this environment of light is one which shows us the truth about who we are. And the truth about who we are is there in Christ. If we really are living in the same light in which he eternally exists, then we have true fellowship with each other. Or we have fellowship in the truth. I just want to connect a couple of things here. We can do each other a big favour by dealing with each other in the truth, mm -hmm. by seeing each other according to the truth of who we really are. So when we love each other, it's to love each other in the light, mm -hmm. in true fellowship, in the fellowship of the truth. You know what Jesus says elsewhere? You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, let's do one another a favour. Let's, let's do ourselves a favour by seeing one another according to who we really are. Paul, you know, missionary preacher and New Testament writer says, we no longer look at any man humanly even though we did that with Jesus, <clears throat> we don't do it anymore. No, for anyone to be in Christ means his past is finished. He is brand new. I'll, just, I'll, I'll finish with this. Um, and it's a, it's a kind of outworking, if you like, of one way in which we can love one another. But I believe it is to be a liberating way. <clears throat> You know how easy it is for us to look at somebody else and to see what we are not. Either ourselves, you know, we turn the mirror around and we see a fault in ourselves, or we take on that rather more kind of um, worldly attitude and we look at somebody else and we see what they're not. We see the flaws, we see the gaps, we see the weaknesses. Rather than looking each, at each other, uh, for what we're not, or for ourselves, for what we're not. Let us truly appreciate.
appreciate each other for who we are. For what is the treasure that God has actually put into each and every one of us? And it won't be the same. Um, So I can look around the room here. You could look around the room here and see a bunch of different people. And each one of the people that we see is a manifestation of the wisdom of God. You truly are a new creation. You truly are the wisdom of God in front of my very eyes. And we can really help one another by receiving each other, first of all, for the treasure that we now are, for appreciating and affirming the gift and the character that is in every one, every one of us, each individual. And actually, and there's another thought, how about saying what you see? For those of us who, you know, those of us who are parents, to affirm in our children who they are, and for some of us, our grandchildren, to affirm who they are is building them up. We can actually do that, and it's part of our own prophetic nature. It's what we, uh, if you like, by virtue of the fact that we inhabit the light, we can actually download understanding and insight from God of another person and begin to speak it out. So it, be, it comes out as a prophetic word. It comes out as a, a, a love message from God to that individual <clears throat> which is intended to, to build up, to encourage, to edify. So to live in the light is actually to be able to create an environment that we inhabit together and where... We share that light, we share the, the true light, and we have true fellowship with each other. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we We love. love.